0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you would like prayer for, you have questions about from a biblical perspective. We're here to answer those questions and to pray for those prayer requests. We have a great community of people who tune in every week, and so we want to welcome you wherever you're tuning in from. We want to welcome, first of all, those of you who listen here on the Front Range, uh, from you know, Pueblo, Colorado, all the way up to Cheyenne, Wyoming. uh, Here on Grace FM, we're so glad that you tune in daily and weekly, and uh, you tune to this program. You call in, such a blessing to be part of what God is doing through Calvary Live. I'm, I'm excited, also. That this show is growing. You know, I know that we're syndicated now on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. So, welcome to all of our listeners listening there. Also, Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky, welcome to you as well. Just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, you're hearing this program on a one week delay which just means that you guys have a unique opportunity where you get to call in or text in and have your questions answered. And then the following week, you get to tune into the radio and hear yourself on the radio. Maybe you can tell some people you know to tune in because your your question is going to be uh, on the air at that time. But just a heads up to you guys on Truth FM and Hope FM that you're hearing the show on a one-week delay. But those of you here on Grace FM in Colorado and into southern Wyoming, you're hearing the show live I also want to remind you that uh, we have a growing audience on our our internet um, presence, which is our mobile app and our website. Which means that you can tune in, you can listen anywhere in the world. And we see that a growing number of people are actually taking advantage of that opportunity. By the way, if you don't have the web, um, sorry, if you don't have the mobile app yet, we really encourage you to go do that. It's totally free and just a great resource for you to use. Along with being able to listen live, there's some other features in the app that'll be really useful for you. So go and get that app if you're uh, interested in that, and recommend it to your friends all over the country, all over the world. It's um, Grace FM. It's one word, Grace FM. Just type that into your browser; should come up right away. And um, I'm sorry, into the search engine on your app store. You just put that in; it should come up right away. It's a free app, and you can listen live in there. And you can also just go to the website, gracefm.com, and you can also listen right there on the website. Um, Every now and then I get a map that shows where we have listeners tuning in from on the internet uh, right now. And um, we have some consistent listeners that really excite me. I like seeing this one that we have somebody in Johannesburg, South Africa. And just about every week this uh, person is listening in Johannesburg. So... If you are there in Johannesburg, we'd love to hear from you and uh, just so glad that you tune in every week. Uh, We also have a listener in Hyderabad, India, which is awesome. So welcome to those of you listening wherever you are around the United States or internationally. We're so glad that you've tuned in. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible things going on in your life, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you and pray for you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. Just a few words about myself before we go to some of our calls and texts my name is pastor nick katie i'm the pastor of whitefields community church which is located in longmont colorado and our church meets right in downtown longmont so if you are in longmont or in any of the surrounding communities we would love to have you come and worship with us you know currently we're in the season of advent and this is one of the best times of the year to invite a friend or family member to join you at church wherever that church is. Um, because studies have shown that you know people who are invited to church at this time of year are more likely to go to church than almost any other time of the year. You know they've done some polls where they asked people who don't attend church, um, you know, would you go to church, especially like around Christmas and uniquely on Christmas Eve. So definitely keep that in mind if your church has a Christmas Eve service. They said, you know, would you go to church on Christmas Eve if a friend or family member personally invited you and accompanied you. And the number was like astronomical. I mean, it was like 90% said, yes, I would go if they did. So I just want to encourage you, wherever you're listening, that this is this is a great opportunity for you to um, get friends and family members who don't usually attend church to attend and to hear the gospel message preached clearly and simply. Uh, during Advent and on Christmas Eve. So for us, um, you know, we're in the season of Advent. We're doing an Advent series called God With Us, which of course is the translation of the word Emmanuel. means God with us. And we're focusing on, for the whole month of December, uh, we're focusing on this event, you know, the greatest event in the history of the world when God took on human flesh and came to us in the flesh in order to not only speak to us, but to save us from sin, to save us from the curse of death, and to save us unto himself and for good works and for his eternal kingdom. And we are just so blessed and excited as we've been digging into this now uh, in the month of December about the advent of Jesus, the advent of our King, and the Incarnation. So again, uh, just a few words about our church. We are in locate. We are located in downtown Longmont. For those of you, maybe you're in the Longmont area, or maybe you're in one of the surrounding communities. We would love to have you join us. You know, if you're within driving distance, come check us out. You can check us out online, WhitefieldsChurch.com. That's WhitefieldsChurch.com, and um, we'd love to have you visit us. We are we located one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. So if you know Longmont at all, we are right in the heart of the city. And we are right on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is our city park here in town. We're just to the direct, we're directly to the south of the downtown park and ride. We meet in the St. Vrain Memorial Building on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And we'd love to have you come worship with us. Or if you know somebody in this area who is looking for a church that loves Jesus and, and uh, takes care of their kids, teaching their kids the gospel, a place where the whole family can grow and worship. We'd love for them to join us or for you to join us if that's you. So you can check us out again, whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also listen to our radio program, which airs every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So it's every weekday at 2.30 p.m. So Monday through Friday. And um, that show is called Life in the Field. That's our our show in which um, we have our sermons edited for the radio, and then if you you know if you're picking up kids at that time from school, Sunday mornings, um, if you are not in church for some reason around ten a.m., we'd love to have you join us at that time as well on the radio, or in person. So, some looks like we still have open lines. It looks like we're having some uh, connection issues, so if you're experiencing those, hopefully we're going to be able to fix that um, really fast, and we're working on that, so uh, do stick with us. But if you've been trying to call in, keep doing that. The number to call is 303-690-3000, that's 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. Okay, Um, so we looks like we have uh, all open lines right now. Just waiting for those calls to come in and a few texts. And uh, looks like, okay, we checked our phone lines. Just a heads up, our phone lines are working well. So give us a call 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. And I'll begin, as we wait for those calls to come in, I want to begin by telling you um, about something that came up in my study this past week as I was preparing for um for church on Sunday. You know, we've been studying Matthew's Gospel um just this past Sunday as part of our Advent series. The the text that we studied specifically was um Matthew chapter 2. And there's a passage here in Matthew chapter 2 that I think is is really interesting because in um in this passage, what we see is that Herod does this awful thing King Herod. He's trying to prevent Christmas from happening prevent Jesus from coming and um And so what he does is he kills all of the babies in Bethlehem and its surrounding regions And this is you know one of those passages that's just often skipped over when people are um, You know, maybe if you read the Christmas story to Let's say your family or your children, you might skip over this part. If you go to a Christmas pageant, you're probably not going to see the kids act this part out on stage. And for good reason, because Herod orders all of these babies to die because he's trying to kill Jesus and prevent Jesus from taking his throne. So we say this this past Sunday, uh, yesterday, uh, under the title of The Hopes and Fears of All the Years, and and we kind of did an overview of the Bible going from Revelation chapter 12 as kind of our our starting point in Revelation chapter 12 John the revelator right the writer of Revelation he um, he looks back over the whole Old Testament and he says the Old Testament can be summed up in this way that there is a woman who's pregnant with a child and this woman has you know it's it's Israel pregnant with the Messiah and says that there is also a red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and he is doing everything he can to kill that child and we can see that throughout the entire uh, Old Testament so many times when uh, Satan has been inspiring people to prevent Christmas from happening and we see this kind of his last-ditch effort with Herod but you know Although this is a gruesome story and and a difficult one to read, it's also a very important story because it tells us what Christmas is really about. Christmas is not just about, you know, hot cocoa in front of the fire and sleigh bells and and time with family. It's, It's about something bigger and more significant than that. And that's this, that Christmas is really about the fact that God promised and kept his promise that he will come one day and end evil. And he did that through the person of Jesus. And so that's uh, so important that we see that there was this tyranny of evil and suffering and death that all of us experience, But it was right there as part of the Christmas story, reminding us that this is why Jesus came, because there's evil and death and suffering in the world, and Jesus came to end death forever, and evil forever, and that's the good news about Christmas. But here's what's so interesting about this passage in Matthew chapter 2, that there's this verse at the end of the chapter, so four times in this chapter, Matthew says that Jesus did this in fulfillment of this specific prophecy, but at the end of Matthew chapter 2, he mentions that Jesus was raised in the city of Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, Here's what's interesting. If you go throughout the Old Testament, you will not find a single verse that mentions the city of Nazareth. So what is this verse um, referring to? Now some people would say it's, it's referring to perhaps that there was a prophecy that Jesus would be raised in Galilee. And there, there is one prophecy that's also mentioned um, in another part of the Gospels. It's mentioned in Matthew chapter 4 actually that talks about Galilee of the Gentiles and the Messiah being in Galilee of the Gentiles and all of that. But uh, one thing that a lot of people think is that maybe this is a reference to the Nazarite vow, which is mentioned in Leviticus and perhaps the most famous person to perform a Nazarite vow in the Bible is um, Samson, right? Who didn't cut his hair and didn't drink the fruit of the grapes. But here's the thing, that Nazarite vow linguistically is very different from Nazarene. And so we could say it's probably not what this is referring to. Instead, there are really two options. And I don't think that they're, um, you know, exclusive to each other. So the first option is this, that the fact that Jesus is born in Nazareth, Nazareth means in Hebrew branch and branch, the branch of Jesse, right? The branch of David. These were terms which in the uh, book of Isaiah are used to refer to the messiah so it's likely that they're saying he was raised in nazareth in branch because he is the branch of jesse the branch of david he is the messiah the coming king who is promised uh, ever since king, uh, ever since sin came into the world and through david and through all of these things the other option here is just this that if you go over to john chapter 1 you see that Nazareth was kind of a despised place. It was a backwoods place. And so uh, we know from the Old Testament, like Isaiah 53, that Jesus would be, the Messiah would be a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, that there was an aspect of him that he was despised. It says if you would look on him, there was nothing in him that was desirable. Um, And so the idea here is that perhaps what it means that he was from Nazareth so that what would be spoken by the prophets would be fulfilled is that Jesus was from a disgraced place, um, not a noble place, and that that was the fulfillment of it. But I just thought that was very interesting that there's a, you know a question that a lot of people would ask: How does it? How is it that uh, the prophets said this? But you'll notice there in Matthew uh, chapter two, verse twenty-three, that whereas in the other prophecies that are mentioned in Matthew chapter two, he mentions the word prophet. Sometimes he will say the name of the prophet, right? The prophet Hosea, the prophet Jeremiah, the prophet Micah. Um, But in this one, he says just kind of in more general terms, the prophets. And so that's um, referring more to not just a specific prophecy, but the teachings of the prophets in general that were fulfilled by Jesus being raised in and from Nazareth. So I hope that answers a question that maybe some of you have had as you've read the Christmas story there in Matthew chapter 2. Let's go to our first caller, Felicia in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Felicia. Welcome to the program. Oh, Felicia, are you there? Okay, let's go ahead and go to Chad in Milliken, Colorado. Hi, Chad. Welcome to the program. Okay, not getting Chad either. Um, let's go over to our text line. And um, What? Oh, hi. Is this Chad? Uh, hi, Chad. Um, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. That's
1: it. I, I had a question about baptism. Um, okay. So I know that, you know, in Christianity, um, for Calvary Chapel, you know, they, they teach baptism at an age where you can outwardly display your um, your feelings for Christ and, and that you're going to follow Him. And then Roman Catholicism, you know, they believe you baptize as a child. Is there anywhere... In the Bible that that kind of lays that out and on that point I was kind of leaning towards well Jesus was baptized when he was older he wasn't mm-hmm. a baby but
0: yeah so there's two positions and it's it's really not just uh, you know the Roman Catholic Church and here, I'll just lay it out for you the two positions are called um, believers baptism sometimes called credo baptism which is Latin for believers baptism So, believer's baptism, and then you have infant baptism, also called paedo-baptism. So, uh, credo-baptism versus paedo-baptism, or you could call it believer's baptism versus infant baptism. And um, so, in the Bible, we don't specifically have anything saying, you know, you have to be this old when you're baptized, or that you should be baptized when you're a baby. But I can walk you through some of the arguments. I've I've studied it pretty, pretty comprehensively. I, myself, I was raised Lutheran. I was baptized uh, at a very young age, and then I actually decided to be baptized again as a believer when I was in my early 20s. Um, so we put it this way. The Bible, it talks about believing and being baptized. And so a lot of people look at that and they say, okay, so you should be baptized when you believe. But the the other argument for infant baptism is, is based on a little bit more nuanced argument. One of, the, one of them would be like in the book of Acts it talks about you know, people like Cornelius in chapter 10 or let's say the, the uh, guard at the prison in Philippi in chapter 16 and it says that they received the Lord and then they and their entire households were baptized. Now we have to kind of make some assumptions here, don't we? Because we don't know how old the people in his household were. Did he have small children? Did he have babies? Did he have grown children? We have no idea. And um, so that, that's kind of thing. So when they do that, what they're doing and, and they're saying is that baptism is essentially the essence of what um, what is talked about like in the Old Testament with circumcision. So it's a sign of a covenant is what they would say. Yeah. And so the idea is that uh, you're, it's a way of what's called Christian initiation. How do you become part of the Christian community? And the, the thing that people who do who practice paedo-baptism is, they, they believe that baptism is the way that you are initiated into the Christian community. And from then on, you are treated as a Christian and a full-fledged part of the community. Now, the thing is, though, this is what makes the the whole issue so difficult, is because the book of Acts tells us about the first generation of Christians. What it doesn't tell us about is the second generation of Christians and how those, you know, subsequent generations were then um, initiated into the Christian church. Now, everybody does Christian initiation. So, for example, here in Calvary Chapel, but this is this is generally true of what we call Credo Baptist or what we call Believers' Baptism Churches. We also practice a form of initiation, and that is generally done through what we call a baby dedication. Now, those who believe in doing baby dedications, as I do, by the way, would point you to the Gospel of Luke, where we read that Jesus was taken to the temple and dedicated as a baby. Now, what that dedication would include, it was a prayer, but it would also include a sacrifice. And so it was a part of, you know, Christian, or say it was a part of a believer's service to the Lord. So, Here's here's what a a person who believes in believer's baptism would say. They would say that baptism specifically, and this is I think maybe the most relevant passage for this, Romans chapter six. It talks about baptism being a picture that we get to act out. Right, a holy sacrament. Still, it's a sacrament, but it's a it's a holy symbol that we live out by which we say, I have died with Christ to who I was before, and I have been born again, and so that couple things here the word baptism also means submersion so the word baptized would be used for example if you were to dye a cloth in to dye, you would submerge it and the greek word for that submersion is baptizo from which we directly get our word baptism so mm-hmm. i think the fact that it means submersion the fact that jesus was submerged as an adult the fact that it what it refers to is death, so it's a picture of being buried underwater and then being born again to new life uh, I think all of those factors together are what Lead me and have led me as I said uh, from a pedo-baptist model to a credo-baptist model um, I think that depending also on the church That does infant baptism their theology is going to differ a little bit okay, so like for example Presbyterians who do infant baptism do not believe that it has the same effects as like a Roman Catholic who who performs infant baptism. Does a Roman
1: Catholic believe you have to be baptized, go, baptized to go to heaven?
0: Yeah, I mean, they would definitely teach that. They would teach it's, it's one of the sacraments. Now, they might say, might not say, you know, they might go so far as to say that if you're not baptized for some, Reason like you couldn't have been baptized You know you got saved and then five minutes later you died before you had a chance to get baptized They, w- they would probably say there might be some exceptions for that But generally yeah, they do teach that but what's more important is that the, their teaching of infant baptism Has been tied to a teaching of original sin uh, which goes back to Augustine and some teachings which essentially implied that if you are baptized, that has the effect of washing away original sin. And during the Reformation, and all Protestants today would, would definitely disagree with that. We believe that it has yeah, it no is, salvific effect.
1: It's, yeah, it's not biblical. There's nothing in the Bible that, that referenced that. So, Yeah, correct.
0: So, mm-hmm. uh, And in fact, the, what the Bible would say is that it, we are not saved by any of our works. But we're saved by Jesus's work, which we receive by faith. So that—that's what's led me from that. Let me. Can I just ask you? Do you, have you? Um, are you considering being baptized, or were you baptized as an, as a child, and then you're considering being rebaptized?
1: No, I've never been. I've never been baptized. Not not yet. And you know, I was, I was wondering about you know my son, and I don't know. I don't know. The wife wants wants him to get baptized. Well, she came from a Catholic family or a Catholic background, wants to get him baptized right away, and, and I'm like, no, it's kind of like an outward display, but I don't know. It, I guess it could it could go like, you know, to appease her, you know, let the baby be baptized, and then when when he becomes of age to, you know, acknowledge Christ and decide to go down that path if he wants to get baptized again, that's... I guess the Bible doesn't talk about not being baptized
0: twice. Well, there's one passage in in Ephesians chapter 1 which says there is one baptism. Some believers have looked at that and said (laughs) that the the one baptism refers to, you know, no matter which group you're baptized by, it's still the same baptism. Others have looked at it and said that it refers to the fact that we should not be baptized multiple times. I, I would lend... I would tend to lean towards the idea that it's referring to, hey, if you're baptized by a different group, that's still the same baptism. Um, but here, here's my advice to you. Number one, I would tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, I would really recommend that you get baptized. I mean, that's what Jesus said. And I do think that while it doesn't save you, it is a step of obedience to Jesus. And if he's your Lord, then you should absolutely uh, submit yourself to his commands and be baptized. So I would encourage you to do it um, for your child. Here's my personal advice on this one. Um, have your baby dedicated, you know, so that that idea of what was done with Jesus where he's brought into the temple, he's dedicated, prayed for, you know, the church community can welcome that child at that point. And then I would wait until um, your child reaches that point of being able to say, I have experienced this Dying and resurrecting in Christ to be baptized. So that—that's my two cents.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I just—I I just don't know how to say it to somebody who's raised in Catholicism because I mean it's—it's it's important to her, like big time. Like, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm just like you wait, but in her background, it's like you do it now, you know.
0: I <laughs> well, certainly, some people. I mean, in that, in that background would would even fear that if they don't do it, the child may not go to heaven, like if they die, um, you know, at some point. So I can understand her fear in that case. I would want to encourage her that I don't think that that fear is biblical or justified, and uh, I would just encourage you to raise your child in the Lord's ways. Pray for that child that when they reach the age where they can make a decision that they would choose to follow Jesus. Because, look, whether you get the, the your son baptized now or he chooses to be baptized later on, at the end of the day, it is going to be a choice that he's going to make, you know, whether or not to follow Jesus and whether to be baptized. So, um, yeah, let me, let me just pray for you guys and then I'll let you go. And if I, I pray for you. Chad... And I thank you for his heart to raise his child up in your ways and his, his wife's heart to see their their baby go to heaven. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give them a lot of wisdom with how to do this biblically and to do it rightly before you. And I pray that they'd be on the same page. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Nick. You bet. God bless you. Uh, you take care. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Uh, The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. That text number again, 720-336-0897. We've come up on a mid-show break, so give us a call during the break and we'll get you on the air right afterwards. 303-690-3000. You're listening to Calvary Live and we'll be back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Kitty from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts. Live on the air, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like to talk about or receive prayer for. We'd love to pray for you and hopefully answer some of your questions. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Glenda in New Jersey. Hi, Glenda. Welcome to the program.
2: Oh, hi. How are you? Doing great I' good I'm calling just for some prayer I'm trying to practice some things about anxiety and casting my cares on the Lord and not to worry about different things and I just need prayer for my son he's looking for another school and um, to go to to play football in college and I just want to make sure that um, It's difficult to just not worry about things when it comes to your children. So I just need help just casting my cares and being worry-free, just giving everything to the Lord.
0: Yeah. Well, let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Glenda, and we just pray, Lord, that you would help her to truly do that, to cast her cares upon you. And I love how you finished that verse to us, Lord. You said, "Because." He cares for you. So, Lord, I pray that you would fill Glenda with just this sense, uh, this truth that you care about her, that you care about this situation. And, Lord, that perhaps you even care about it more than she does. And so, Lord, I pray that that would give her a sense of comfort, a sense of joy as she prays, knowing that you have this in your hands, that there are many things over which we have no control. But those things are, are definitely in your control but I pray that you would uh, bless her as she prays, that she uh, doesn't just hand those things to you or lay them at your feet, but she casts them, she throws them upon you, and gets them out of her hands, out of her uh, realm of control, and puts them on you. Uh, so, Lord, I pray that you would help her to do that. That with thanksgiving in her heart, she would make her request known to you. And I pray that in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
2: Thank you so much.
0: You bet. God bless time. you. All right. Bye bye. You're listening you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church. Taking your calls and texts on the air today. Looks like we've got Felicia online too. Felicia called back, which we're glad about. So this is Felicia and Parker. Hi Felicia, welcome to the program.
2: Hi, Pastor. How are you? Doing great. Good. Um, I don't know if they passed the information on, but I just my question is um, somewhat regarding Romans, um, the letter that Paul wrote. Um, Towards the end of one, it kind of talks on um, believers who haven't changed or, like, basically refuse to change or ignore, like, changing with Christ. And I'm just curious as to if there's anything that speaks on it biblically that I'm, I'm not to yet, maybe. Um, that you know where how is God going to handle that or judge that? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so um, in Romans chapter 1 it does talk about God's kind of wrath upon The unrighteous those who you know rebel against him. I think though I think you'd have a hard time saying though that this is referring to Believers like people who follow Jesus. It seems that these people that he's talking about here are people who have definitely, you know, made it clear to God that they don't want anything to do with him. And so it says, you know, they've they've suppressed the knowledge of God is one of the things that it says, that they know that God exists, but they try to push that down and suppress that knowledge. So I'd say that, that that passage perhaps is not the best one to look at. I would actually go to a place like in Hebrews chapter 6, um, which I think is one of the... Hebrews chapter 6 and chapter 10, which I think if you read them on their own, they can be kind of worrisome. You know, they can, they can make you a little bit worried. And I think that they can be a little bit confusing if you don't have some more context. So hopefully, though, uh, we can look at these verses and, and they're useful to us because we're asking the right questions. So in Hebrews chapter 6 and chapter 10, uh, the context for the book of Hebrews is written to a group of people who, ha- who were Christians. And they were thinking about giving up on Christianity, or maybe kind of dialing back on Christianity and going back to Judaism. And, and some okay. of them, you know, they were they were basically like, okay, I believe in Jesus, but um, they were facing persecution and ostracization from their community, and so they were they were thinking about, you know, doing that, or maybe just going back into the world, you know. So so you can think of it just in terms of there was a time when they believed in Jesus, they were in the church, and now maybe they're not attending church. In fact, I think that's very likely that we can say that that was the case for some of them because it says in in chapter 12 there, you know, it says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. It's like one of the only verses in the Bible that has to tell Christians to keep going to church because it was just assumed that Christians would go to church. So this might be a better place to look um, if we're talking about believers who are not walking with the Lord as they ought to. And and here's really what it says. It says some really kind of shocking and maybe um, sobering things. One of them is just this, that, hey, here's what it says in chapter 6. Um, if uh, It is possible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, shared in the Holy Spirit... Tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away To restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt Then it goes on um, To say in chapter 10, you know that if you trample upon the blood of Jesus There is no more blood to atone for your sins And so a lot of people read that, right? And they're like, well, hey, I'm a Christian, but I also sinned like yesterday and five minutes ago. So does that mean that I've trampled on the blood of Jesus and I'm no longer saved and I can't ever be saved again? Or maybe I backslid and walked away from the Lord and I'd like to come back, but it seems to be telling me that there's no more salvation for me. Like, what is that referring to? So here's what I would say. I would say this. All the terminology in the Bible that talks about being saved, it gives you some some kind of word pictures or metaphors. And, and those would be something like this, right? They say talk about being born again, sealed with the Holy Spirit, you know, becoming a child of God. And here's the thing, though. Nowhere do we ever read the opposite of those. Nowhere do we ever read that, okay, you were born again and then you became unborn again or that you were uh, adopted by God and then he forsook you as his child or or that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit And then you were unsealed So what does that mean? It means that what we read in chapter 6 and in chapter 10 of Hebrews where it talks about people who at one time You know, I mean if you were to list this it would you would say this is a person who at least appears to be a believer But none of us can see somebody else's heart to know where they're really at with God right And so the essence of what I'm trying to say is this. I think that if you were to compare this with what Jesus said as well about trees and their fruit and how you know a tree by its fruit, it's not about judging people. It's about saying, look at your life. Does your life produce the kinds of effects that you would expect or that the Bible even says are normal from a person who has been born again? And if they don't, then this should be a wake-up call to you you need to get right with God because there's no promise in the Bible for somebody who doesn't walk with God. The idea is that if you're okay. born again, you will walk with God. Therefore, if right. you're not walking with God, you need to figure this out. Like where are you really at?
2: Okay. Awesome. That answered that perfectly. And then could I just tie in one more question with that would that be okay? Yeah, of course. Okay, you um you were talking about baptism earlier and kind of the different theologies and then how it's based, you know, what is biblical and then what is kind of based off of theology. And for somebody who um, say, because we are told not to judge um, those that aren't of the Church, that are non-believers. We're only to, to judge each other within the Church, um, correct? Correct.
0: Yeah, Paul talks about that. He says, you know, we're not to, we don't, we're not here to judge those outside the church, but you know, then he says other things like judgment begins at the household of God. Yeah, so
2: so for somebody who um, maybe they don't like, you don't see the fruits being produced. They don't go to church necessarily. They don't necessarily look or appear to be walking with the Lord, but then they bring up um, being baptized and that that saved them so to speak. Mm, okay. Um, I guess how do you approach that in the same way? Like, I mean, you don't like, I mean, cause I'm one for not wanting to enable behavior, you know, and I, I'm comfortable with being able to confront certain behaviors, but I, at the same time, like you can tell when it falls on deaf ears. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> okay. So um, I'll just uh, tell you a few things. Um, James chapter five says this, whoever turns a s- error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Right. So it's a good thing, you know, to, to confront somebody, but you want to do it in love, right? So we want to speak the truth right. in love. You can speak the truth in a way that won't be helpful. That'll make somebody feel right. condemned. And I think a lot of times when we talk about, Hey, don't judge me. We're not necessarily saying, What we're saying is, hey, I don't want you to condemn me, look down upon me, you know, make me feel less than. And so I think that you can talk to somebody in a way that won't make them feel those things. But here's the thing. The reason you want to talk to this person, you have to ask yourself that question. Why do I even care? That's where you got to start. Because if the reason you care is because you actually care about this person, you're worried about their soul then that's yeah. a great place to start. That's a loving place, right? If you saw somebody walking around with like a huge cancerous tumor on the side of their neck, you would probably want to ask them, Hey, have you seen a doctor about that? Right. Right. Um, if you see somebody with, you know, the symptoms of a disease that you once had and you say, Hey, I see the symptoms and I just want to know, you know, I want you to be okay. Cause I care about you. That it's all about tone. It's all about how you approach the person. And then you can speak the truth to them and just say, hey, I don't know where you're at, but but I just don't see this. Now, the other thing I would tell you is if that person comes back and says, hey, leave me alone. I've been baptized. I'm good. Back off. Yeah. Hey, that that was me. You know, my, my story. And then, you know what, cut to my heart. Here, here, I'll just tell you a little bit of my story and the verse that God used through this friend of mine that really uh, changed the course of my life. So I I had this friend and, uh, you know, she was a believer. I used to drive her to school when we were younger. And at one point, you know, um, she told me, hey, I'm a Christian. And somehow or another, she alluded to the fact that I was not a Christian. And that very much like bothered me because, like I said to the earlier caller, I was raised Lutheran. I was baptized as a child. And I'm like, hey, I'm that person. Like, I'm your friend, right? Like, I'm like, I was baptized. How can you tell me I'm not a Christian? I'm like, totally Mm -hmm. a christian i know all the stuff i got baptized i'm good Mm -hmm. and what this person did is they turned to matthew chapter 7 you know we were sitting in the car one day talking you know never forget it because it changed my life and here's what she read to me matthew chapter 7 starting in verse 21 this is from jesus sermon on the mount he says this not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven Many will say on that day to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And let me just walk you through this because there are a few things that uh, may not stand out at first that are really relevant. For example, the idea of saying, Lord, Lord, why is he repeated? Because in, in The Jewish mindset, when you repeat a word twice, you'll notice that's repeated um, sometimes in the Bible. You know, this kind of double repetition. That's like the the idea of like we would use an exclamation point. So Lord, Lord is like somebody who's fervent, passionate. Right. This is a person who shows up for church and goes to both services, you know, and it's um, he says, you know, one day, you know, these people will say to me, um, you know, didn't we prophesy in your name? So first of all, they're passionate, right? And they're saying, Lord, Lord, right. you know, they were on fire. Secondly, they were showing evidence of spiritual gifts. And then the next one is, hey, we cast out demons. So they did some kind of Christian service as well. So we're talking about a person who's passionate. They they do service. They have the signs of having spiritual gifts. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, the problem is, I never knew you. And if you go back to verse 21, he says, The one who does the will of my Father in heaven is the one who will enter the kingdom, not just the person who says the right words or even does the right actions, right? So it's about a relationship. And that was what cut me to my heart when this friend of mine asked me this question. She said, look, I know you know the right things. I know that you, you know, have done some things in the past that make you confident that you're Christian. But if you were to stand before Jesus, is this what he would say to you? We never had a relationship. I never knew you. You never knew me. right? It's like one thing to know who Peyton Manning is. It's another thing to know Peyton Manning. Right. And I don't right. know Peyton Manning, right? <laughs> so it's that kind of thing. You might know who Jesus is. You might know a lot of stuff about him. Right. But you don't know him. And that, you know, my friend asked me, do you know him? And immediately I was like, yes, right? Because like, I didn't want her to know that, that actually that verse got me. And and I'm not kidding, that verse changed the course of my life. Um, That is amazing. That is awesome. But this verse is written to people like me and like your friend who are like, hey, I was baptized, I'm good, leave me alone. And um, it's a very, very important verse.
2: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I could probably even look back and think, I, I, I wanted baptized at a young age, but I didn't know what anything was. Sure. I didn't know who Jesus was, so I can definitely attest to that myself. And over the last four years, have I really known what relationship with him meant? Mm-hmm. So, and that's, you know, that's a daily build. So um, thank you so much for answering my questions.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Let's pray for you, and then I'll let you go. So thank you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Felicia, and we just ask that you would give her so much wisdom and so much love and so much grace and graciousness as she speaks with her friend, about these very important things Lord, we pray that this friend would be receptive to where she's coming from that she would feel and sense her her motivation and her heart behind it and that um, it would be well received and that it would be really a turning point in this friend's life just like um Lord, you use somebody in my life and so i pray that in jesus name amen amen
2: thank you pastor god
0: bless you bet god bless you bye-bye You're listening to calvary live this is pastor nick katie from whitefields community church in longmont colorado Taking your calls and texts live on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like prayer for. We'd love to hear from you and pray for you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, 720-336-0897. We had one Texter her right in and ask this what was that verse in Hebrews about going to church well, I'm glad you asked the, no, the verse is Hebrews chapter 10 I'm going to turn there now so I can quote it to you correctly Hebrews chapter 10 and it starts in verse 23 let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And here's the key verse, verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, um, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see that day drawing near. So that word meet together is the word which means the gathering of people. Ekklesia, which is the gathering, or we might say congregating. So you could you could think of this word um you know, let us not neglect ecclesia. Let us not neglect the congregating of ourselves together. So this is the old Greek word for the church. It wasn't called a church. It was called a congregation or a gathering of believers. So he says, let us not neglect ekklesia or what we would say today, church. Let us not neglect a gathering together as believers for prayer, for worship, for mutual encouragement, for studying the word it's really important and so it's really important to understand the book of hebrews and the context of it in order to understand why the writer is writing what he writes like i was saying to felicia just a few minutes ago that there were these people who were stepping back from christianity some were stepping all the way back into judaism some were just taking a step back from christianity maybe they stopped coming to church because we know that a lot of believers at this time they're being persecuted they're being ostracized because they were attending church and because of these things so some people were tempted to take a step back know so that they wouldn't receive such blowback from their communities etc and i think that that's also the same today right for some of us to follow jesus is going to there might be some um, backlash from your community whether that's your friends your workplace etc but um that's exactly what the writer to hebrews says you know uh, he says this incredible phrase he says jesus went outside the gates of the city for us because you know at calvary the place where jesus was crucified Because it was a place of death, it could not be within the walls of the holy city of Jerusalem. And so he went outside the gates. In other words, he was ostracized from the community in order to save us so that we might be brought in and brought near. And in the same way, he's saying, just as Jesus went outside the gates for you, in other words, became an outcast for you, be willing to do the same um, for him and for the sake of God's people. It's interesting thing so let's go to our next caller ben in illinois hi ben welcome to the program
3: hi uh can you hear me yes cool um so yeah i just had a question about kind of just the sufficiency of scripture and uh like can you believe in the full sufficiency of scripture as it relates to just like following the lord and just spiritual matters um but also uh like seeing a like a professional mental health clinician or like how psychology and the sufficiency of scripture kind of relate and if there's any like um, I don't know do, do, do you kind of get what I'm asking
0: yeah I absolutely get what you're asking in fact okay. I wrote my yeah. thesis on this for seminary on this oh topic. really yeah I just, yeah.
3: I just heard uh, I just, I've been listening to some people talk about this and yeah I was a grad student for a little bit in counseling but yeah
0: Okay, yeah, so I wrote this, and um, I, I don't know how much time or how much depth you want me to go into it, because like I said, I've, I've thought about this a, a ton. Yeah. Uh, basically, this is an argument that the church has been—not an dis- argument, let's call it a discussion— that the church has been yeah. having since the 2nd century you know, A.D., mm-hmm. and it goes all the way back to people like Tertullian and Justin Martyr, and Tertullian basically said— Uh, Well, let's start with Justin Martyr. Justin Martyr was Greek, and he was a philosopher who became a Christian. And he said that Christianity is the true philosophy. And what he said, Mm -hmm. therefore, is that a lot of philosophers like Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, they got a lot of things right because there are a lot of things that we can know and discern just by our God-given faculties. On the Mm -hmm. other hand, you had a guy like Tertullian, who was not Greek. He was Latin, much more linear thinker. And he said, hey, the Bible contains everything we need for godliness and for for life and godliness. Therefore, anything that comes from, you know, let's say secular realm is the word we tend to use today, right? Anything that comes from a person who's not a Christian um, is, first of all, not necessary, and secondly, potentially dangerous. And Uh so whereas Justin, martyr, would have said, you can eat a watermelon and spit out the seeds, Tertullian would have said, no matter how hard you try to spit out the seeds, you're inevitably going to swallow a seed, and Mm. that seed is going to make you sick. Okay, so that's kind of the two arguments. And you can see that argument continued as we've gone through history, as each, you know, as our culture changes, as different things come up, that argument has continued on. And one of the areas where it's most uh, evident is in the area of psychology, like you asked, right? So you have Mm -hmm. those who would say, all truth is God's truth, whether it's, um, you know, realized or or practitioned or however you want to say that, practiced by a person who's yeah. a Christian or whether it's not. On the other hand you'd have somebody say, Everything we need, like you said, sufficiency of scripture. Everything we need is in the Bible, therefore not only do we not need that other stuff that's outside of Scripture, but it's potentially dangerous. Okay, where do I land on that? I'm gonna land uh somewhere in the middle where I think that if you take um I think that Justin's beliefs, you know, that that all truth is God's truth, and it doesn't matter who comes up with it. At the end of the day, um, things that are true are true, and ultimately, God is the ultimate source of truth. I agree with that, but I think that practically, you can get into some pretty muddy waters if you follow that line of thinking. It's a little bit too pragmatic for me. On the other hand, I think that Tertullian fails to realize um, realize that kind of what we call common grace. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna land on this. I think that when we get into issues of mental health, there are some cases in which we are talking about things that are physical problems with the brain, and in Mm. those cases, those need to be treated medically, just like you would, um, you know, get your back treated if you had a back problem. Okay, on the other hand, if it's not a physical problem with the brain, if it's more of an emotional thing, or perhaps even a, a sin issue, Um, I think that some of the practices that are done uh, by practitioners and mental health practitioners who uh, maybe fall in the category of psychology, one thing I would want all of our listeners to know is that psychology is a very diverse field. Not everybody who practices psychology follows Freud and Jung, right? There There are a lot of other kinds of psychology. But here's the thing that I really, really believe on this issue is that because psychology is good a lot of times at diagnosing problems, It's not always great at giving uh, resolutions or solutions. That's where you need, in my opinion, to have a a mental health practitioner who is also a Christian. Because they're not only going to be able to diagnose the problem using maybe the tools of psychology that they've learned, but they're also going to be able to turn then to the gospel and turn you to a real solution that's going to be able to help you. Mm -hmm. So my short answer, yes, but I prefer... And almost in almost every situation, prefer a Christian uh, practitioner.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree.
0: Cool. cool. God bless you, Ben. Thanks right. in.
3: Okay. Thank, thank you bye-bye. so much for answering my question. Bye.
0: You got. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. We've got three minutes left on our show. Let's go to our next caller. Let's go to John on line one. Hi, John. Welcome to the program. Hello,
1: thank you. Um,
0: what can I do for you? Yeah,
1: my question has to do with um, secularism. Okay. Capitalism and democracy are both secular
0: ways. Why do we encourage them? Well, I mean, this is a lot of assumptions going on in this question. Um, I'm going to say this. Um, I see that your bigger question had been this. What is meant by a rich man not being able to get into heaven? Um, Really, here's the deal with a rich man not being able to get into heaven. The, the, bigger, thing, the bigger thing that's at issue is this. Understanding that in Jesus' day, they associated, a lot of people did, not Jesus of course, but a lot of people associated wealth with spiritual health. And it's very much along the lines of how a lot of people think today in regard to what we might call the prosperity gospel. But they'd say, hey, if you are wealthy, that must be a sign that God's blessing is upon your life. And therefore, you know, if you're poor, well, that must be a sign that you are cursed by God. And so what Jesus was doing was definitely, um, you know, something that was going against the culture. And he was saying, hey, c- c- you know, in contrast to what a lot of you people think. Being rich doesn't necessarily mean that you're blessed by God. In fact, That's why they say, he says, you know, it is impossible for a rich man. It is as hard for a rich man to enter heaven as it is for a camel to enter the eye of a needle. In other words, he's saying it's impossible. And they're shocked by this because they say, if not even the rich can be saved, well, then who can be saved? In other words, a person who is rich, that was a sign that God's, uh, you know, blessing was upon them. And so they're shocked when they hear this. That's the reason why Jesus said that. But then he says something much more important where he says, um, He says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. In other words, it is impossible not only for rich man to be saved. It's impossible for me to be saved. It's impossible for you to be saved in our own works, in our own efforts, etc. All of us need the miracle of God's grace, which, thank God, has been offered to us by Jesus and through his actions for us in his life, death, and resurrection. Thanks for that call, and God bless you. Uh, Many of you didn't get on today, and we would like to just encourage you to call back next time. or every day, Calvary Live, 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time here on Grace FM. So glad you tuned in today. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. God bless you, and have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.